0: Good morning everybody. We're going to start singing, so when you get a chance, find your seats and stand with us and sing along. This is amazing grace. This isn't failing That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me The King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That You would take my place That You would bear my cross You would lay down Your life That I would be set free I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. With truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance The King of glory The King above all kings This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave Worthy is the Lamb who was slain Worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy, worthy, yeah This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place you would bear my cross, you would lay down your life, that I would be set free, oh Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me. From wherever you've been, come broken hearted, the rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner. Come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burden Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face Oh wanderer come home You're not too far So lay down your heart Lay down your heart as you are there's hope for the hopeless and all those who stray come sit at the table come taste the grace there's rest for the weary rest that endures. earth has no sorrow that heaven So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face. Oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far. your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. There's joy for the morning, will sinner be still? Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your word. Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face Oh wanderer, come home You're not too far So lay down your hurt Lay down your heart Come as you are Come as you are Come as you are, Come as you are.
1: awesome song, huh? One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the King, King of Kings, Lord of Lord. So, uh, I have a few announcements. My name's Nate, by the way, for those of you who don't know me, I know we have a few guests. If you could fill out a little connect card in the back of the seat in front of you, uh, drop it in the tithe and offering box back there. It'd be a great way for us to connect with you guys. And, uh, For members, just a reminder, the Tithe and Offering box is back by the door, same box. Uh, For you ladies uh, with kids, MOP starts in September. If you're available also and want to volunteer, you don't have to be a mom to volunteer. You can just be um, wanting to help out You talk to uh, Victoria. Victoria's in the back with the pink dress. Um, If you want to help out or... Wanted, want to uh, go to that, just talk to her. She'll be glad to get you hooked up. Um, Woman's Bible Study starts on the 11th of September, and it's, that's from 930 to 11, and you can talk to uh, Jen Snyder. She's in charge of that study as well. Going through a book called The Gospel in Real Life by Jerry Bridges. And also, we're planning a back-to-school dinner, and uh Ariel is going to need some volunteers to help with that as well. So uh, we don't have a date, but probably we'll know probably next week uh, what the date is for that too. So I um, want you bow your heads with me and we'll pray real quick. Dear Father God, thank you so much for who you are, for sending your son to die for us, Lord, and that you've set us free from our sin because of what he's done. Lord God, as we gather together to honor you and to hear your word i pray that your spirit would be alive and moving here lord and working in our hearts to hear from jim and i pray that you would uh, give him your words to speak just love you and praise you and give you the rest of this day in jesus name please stand
0: That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His treasure How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One sons to glory, behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed I hear my mocking voice, call out among the scoffers my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is fair. But this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from His reward? I can't. This next song might be new to some of you guys, um, and I don't want you to that to distract you from the words. And we've sung it before, but for all the visitors, um, if you don't know how it goes, just really meditate on the words because they're very amazing. for mine, a wonderful exchange, clothed in my sin, Christ suffered neath God's rage, dreamed in his righteousness, I'm justified, in Christ I live, for in What cause have I for dread God's daunting law Christ mastered in my stead For this I stand with righteous works not mine Saved by my Lord's vicarious God's justice is appeased, Jesus is crushed, and thus the Father's pleased, Christ drank God's wrath on sin, then Christ is done, sin's wage is paid, propitiated. Such anguish none can know Christ God's beloved condemned as though his foe he as though I accursed and left alone I as though he embraced and
2: That was a perfect song for Dennis's message a couple weeks ago on propitiation, justification, and all those other Asians, right? So, uh, man, I'll tell you what, thank you guys for that. Boys and girls, the First Baptist Church, come on up here and I'm going to ask you a question. So, put on your thinking caps. Did y'all bring your thinking caps? You ever have a teacher tell you to put your thinking caps on? Did you? Yes. So you got to take it out of your pocket. Okay. Let's put it on now. Put your thinking caps on. Yeah. Okay. Pull it on tight. All right. Good. We got it. Everybody got your thinking cap on? Okay. Who is one another? Who wants to answer first? What's who is one another? Everybody is one another. Did you know that there are lots of one another's in the Bible? It talks about one another's. Hey, point to somebody who's a one another. Okay. All right. So now, you know, God wants, he puts so many one another's in the Bible because he wants us not to just be thinking about ourselves. He wants us to be thinking, got your thinking caps on, about one another. <clears throat> one of the things that he tells us to do in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15, is to be kind to one another. Do you all know that verse? Let's say that together. Be kind to one another. Let's say it again. Be kind to one another. All together now. Be kind to one another. First Thessalonians. Can you say that? First Thessalonians, five fifteen. Five 15. Be kind to one another. Say it again. Be kind to one another. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians. 15. fifteen. All right. Is that a good one? How many of you are going to be kind to someone else today? Let me see your hands. Okay. All right. Put you on the spot. Everybody except the worker is going to do that. Let's let's go ahead and pray. Just kidding. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God that tells us how to live for you. I pray, God, that you would bless each one of these young men and young ladies, that they would, in fact, be kind to one another. And when they go to school, they'd be kind to one another. When they go home, they'd be kind to one another to one another father help us to not think of ourselves only but think of others in jesus name and everyone said amen. amen god bless you go ahead what a great group of kids give them a hand all right first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 15 be kind to one another now i i have this Stroke of inspiration that today would be a great day to raise an offering for air conditioning. How many think that'd be a great idea? Yeah, yeah. Haven't cleared it with the leadership team, so I won't do it, but I just thought that that would be a good thing to do after about the second or third Sunday of, oh, you don't need air conditioning in Coronado? No, you just melt into a puddle every once in a while. It's no big problem, no big deal. But you know what? Let's get a little perspective on this because on my phone right now, if I were to take it out and read a rather lengthy email that I got this morning, I would read to you about a missionary family in northern Iraq who called and talked to their family and said, this is maybe the last time you'll hear from us because they've been overrun by ISIS. And ISIS, they chose not to leave the people they're working with in northern Iraq. And the ISIS Folks have been going from house to house asking children, if they're the Christian children, to renounce Jesus Christ, and when they don't, they're beheading them in this particular area we're talking about. So we're dealing with a little air conditioning issue. They're dealing with their kids losing their lives. I I told the guys when we were praying this morning, when I was in Bible college reading from the book of Revelation, it would talk about uh, the saints beheaded for the cause of Christ. I thought, well, that's kind of You know, that must be something from way back when, because it sure doesn't seem relevant to today, and all of a sudden, here it is, relevant for today, Uh, those who are being martyred for the cause of Christ by beheading. So uh, I want us, and since today's message is on one another, that's the whole theme, uh, I thought it might be good for us to pray for these missionaries in northern Iraq and for these Christian Iraqis who are losing their lives for the testimony of Christ father we don't know these people personally i don't know what exactly is going on i don't know the area exactly where this is happening and even if i looked it up on a map i wouldn't be able to get a picture probably in my mind some maybe here could because they've been over there but father i just know there are there are christians that are paying for their christianity with their lives and with their children's lives and their missionaries who perhaps will not even live throughout the day. I don't know. And so, God, I pray your richest blessings upon these people. I pray for deliverance and and intervention of some kind, some kind of help uh, to preserve their lives and to save their lives, if that be your perfect will. And, Father, I stand in attention and salute every child of God, young and old, who would choose to rather give their lives than to renounce the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray today. Amen. I have a favorite poem that I've read so many times throughout the years. Lord, help me to live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to rise again unless to live for others. And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown of one while thinking still of others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I may live like thee. God, help us to be concerned about other people more. Then we're concerned about ourselves. Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Wycliffe's notes say that they are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love and they are to outdo one another in showing respect for each other. That's kind of a contest. We're to, we're to outdo each other showing concern for one another. Matthew Henry's commentary says all of our duty towards one another is summed up in one word, love. It's a specific kind of love we'll talk about in a minute. The Disciples Bible, about this verse in Romans 12, says disciples love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. We seek the well-being of one another even at the cost of personal self-interest. Personal self-interest ought to be laid down uh, and forgotten as we seek the benefit of one another. Life application notes on this say why not try to outdo one another in showing honor. Put others first. My wife and I have been married for 46 years, and we... uh, we have determined that uh, we are in honor going to prefer one another. I gave some marriage counseling advice to a couple here today, uh, yesterday, and uh, told them recommended they do the same exact thing. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine, and the Bible says fellowship, and in breaking of bread and prayers. Fellowship in the Greek word for it, and I only know this because I have a Greek dictionary because I do not read Greek. I just have to go look it up and figure out what uh, it is. It's koinonas, which means a fellow participant. It implies fellowship or sharing with someone or sharing in something. And in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, then there's something that follows. If we're really walking in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Something wrong with someone who claims to be walking in the light that he has given and is not in fellowship with other believers. Something wrong with that. That's not God's plan. You are not to be a spiritual hermit out here somewhere existing by your own ability and power to fellowship with God without fellowshipping with other believers. We have a responsibility. We walk in the light we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. We, as God's children, as family, need to practice agape love one to another. Now, in the English, we have one word. It's love. So when there are any number of words that are translated, well, a few words that are translated from the Greek into uh, the English equivalent, it's either translated as love or charity, in the King James Version, where it talks about charity never fails, it's not talking about giving someone who is needy, although that's certainly implied. It's talking about loving those who are needy, loving those who, who have needs and, and helping them. So, so the agape love is what we ought to strive for. There's filial love, which is a brotherly love, and that's, and that's a perfectly good kind of love. We ought to have that for each other, a brotherly love, uh, certainly. The, the Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Uh, there's eros, which we get our word erotic from, which we might assume is a bad word and a bad thing, and it's not. Uh, erotica and so on can be bad. I'm not saying that's not. Pornography is bad, but I'm saying that, that the Greek word itself in the purest meaning of a desire for sexual relationship, as long as it's within God's plan and confines of holy marriage, it's perfectly decent. It's perfectly good. It's pretty cool, in fact. I'll stop right there. Uh, so, but then there's agape love, which is unconditional love. It is a love that I believe, and I'm not, again, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I believe agape love is not possible for someone unless they know God. I don't believe it's possible for an unsaved person to love someone with agape love. I think it has to be something that comes from God that gives us a deeper, more abiding, unconditional love that we otherwise couldn't have. And in a healthy church... The love that flows from the Heavenly Father through His children is deeper, richer, and more authentic than can be found anywhere else in the world. Someone said the average church, unfortunately, the average church is like a bag of marbles always clicking together with each other and chipping each other and cracking each other. And and it shouldn't be. Instead, we should be like a bag of grapes meshing together and producing a sweet juice because of the interaction one with another. So we want to talk about one another today. Be kind to one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15. First point is we're stronger than our differences. Hey, look around. We're all different, right? Nobody here looks just like anybody else. Nobody here acts just like anybody else. And some of you say, thank God for that. Uh, we are a diverse group. And nevertheless, we fellowship Because of a common commitment to Jesus Christ who was committed to us in such an amazing way. In case you're visiting today, in case you've been uh, um, attending here for a long time but never have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ loved you so much. He died on the cross for your sins to pay the price, to expiate our sins, to have. He was the atonement and beyond that more than just a covering for our sins. He took away our sins so that we can stand in God uncondemned by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. So it's not by, you know, it's not by giving a whole bunch of money for air conditioning, though if you want to do that today, we'd be glad to accept that. That doesn't get you one inch closer to heaven. It's not by being a good guy or a, a nice lady. That doesn't get you one inch closer to heaven. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ trusting in him that we have Eternal salvation, but having eternal salvation then and being part of the local assembly and local body of believers here and assembled, we have a common commitment to Jesus Christ because of his commitment to us. And we 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 may have fellowship outside of the church, but there ought to be a unique bond in the fellowship amongst born-again believers in Jesus Christ. We have ought to have a commonality about us, some common goals, some common, we got a common in goal. That's heaven. We're going to be there because of Christ. So, so the closest, most meaningful relationships, I believe, uh, besides family itself ought to be the house of God. In fact, the house of God is family. First John chapter 1, verse 3 says, "...we proclaim unto you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ." We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare unto you that what? God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the, proof, the truth. So if we claim to be in the light but we're living in darkness, we're living in the sins of the flesh, the carnality. And, and we, we do whatever the world does. We do what the rest of the world does, I should say and there's no difference, there's no transformed life, then we're lying. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then again, here it says, we will have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So our common ground is purpose to glorify God. Did you know that's why you're here? Oh, no. Well, I'm here to, to work at the... You know, to, uh, to be a doctor, to be a nurse, or I'm here to be a carpenter. Here, I'm here to, to, to be a member of the United States Navy. And you're here, first of all, primarily to be a testimony for Jesus Christ, whatever you're doing. I love the illustration that you go to the fire department over here, and, and, and you walk in there, and there's a guy shining in the truck, and there's a guy over there stove cooking breakfast, and there's someone else uh, mopping the floor. And you go up to one, and you say, what, what, what do you do here? What's your job here? And he says, well, my job is to wax the truck. And man, I take pride in it. I wax this thing every so every every few weeks. I, I make sure it's it's gone completely over and 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 detailed. And that's my job. No, it's not. No, it's not. Your job is to fight fires. That's your job. You do other things. You wax the truck. You go to the cook, you say, what's your job? Well, my job is to cook for the guys when, no, your job is to fight fires. And when you're not fighting fires, you may be cooking meals. And so if, if a guy's smart, you go to the third guy. If he's got any smarts about him, you say, what's your job? He's going to say, "Well, he's sweeping the floor, he's going to say, to fight fires. And I sweep the floor when I'm not fighting fires. Our job is to glorify Christ. Whatever we do, those Christians in northern Iraq today who may be losing their lives, their job is to glorify God. And if their job is to glorify God by giving their lives, there's no higher honor. We have a common philosophy of life. If we live in the light, we have fellowship. We have a common sacrifice. We sacrifice our time, money, everything else. You could be sitting under an air conditioner somewhere else. You could be out at the beach right now. You could be in the mountains. You could be doing a hundred different things. But you're, sac- you're giving your time. You're giving your money. You're giving your effort because you have certain beliefs and, and, and you're practicing those beliefs this morning. We have, we have shared values and worldviews and habits and traditions. Not all of them are the same, by the way, because we're not all at the same spiritual levels, right? And, and we don't always see things the same way. And we all have our own baggage, by the way. I'm not right all of the time, just most of the time. Actually, that's what I think. It's probably not true. And you probably think the same thing about yourself. You're right, most of the time. fact of the matter is, though, we have worldviews and habits and traditions that come upon us because we love one another, because we love Christ, because we read His Word, and we believe it's something more than just ink on paper. We believe there's something supernatural and life-changing and transforming about the very words of Almighty God. Look at the example. So, so we have this commonality. We, we have this fellowship together, and, and yet we're so different, for crying out loud. Think about the disciples. There was there was Simon the Zealot who was a patriot. He was probably a seal back in those days. Kind of a, and he was a he was a redneck who didn't like Rome. Okay? That's that's Simon the Zealot. And and Matthew was a tax collector. He worked for Rome. And they were both on the same team together. Jesus united them and got them to listen to this sacrifice their egos for the sake of the gospel. Sacrifice their egos for the sake of the gospel. So I look around we're young and old and middle aged. We're well off. We're of modest means. We're of different nationalities. Different races perhaps. uh, Different origins. We're Democrats and Republicans and independents and maybe Tea Party and maybe unaffiliated, we're black and white and brown and all shades in between. And Jesus insists on one outstanding characteristic for every single one of us in John thirteen thirty four, his words in red a new commandment I give unto you that you what? Love one another. How much? I mean, you might ask that question. A new commandment I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another. And, Micah, you gotta love, you know, the most honorary person in this room. Who would that be? Oh, you don't want to say. Okay, gotcha. And 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 you're supposed to, I mean, we're supposed to love people who are so different than us. We're supposed to a new commandment that you love one another. How much? Here's he says, as I have loved you that you also love one another. How much are we to love each other? As much as Jesus Christ loved us. Whoa. That's a high order. By the way, a growing church is a loving church. I love this church. I love the fact that you're out there saying hi to people, making them feel welcome, encouraging them to come on in. And, and, and people don't want to hear about love. They want to experience it. They want to see it. They want to feel it. They want to know it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They even sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God. And enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved every day. It wasn't just Sundays that people got saved. People turned to Christ on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. There's nothing in the Bible that says people can only get saved on Sundays. They can get saved. If you're talking to people and being a testimony and explaining gospel salvation uh, to them, they can get saved any time of the week. A church that loves that way is going to experience growth. Second thing is we need fellowship. We need, sometimes you just need other people. You know that? I read a testimony years ago about a, a lady who was having a really bad day. Probably her husband had just deployed, and the washing machine broke down because everybody knows when your husband deploys, the washing machine breaks down. The telephone kept ringing. Her head ached. The mailman brought a bill that she couldn't pay. She said she was almost to the breaking point. She leaned her head against... Oh, and her one-year-old son was in his high chair. She leaned her head against his tray and began to cry. And without a word, that little boy took his pacifier out of his mouth and stuck it in hers. He was being concerned one for another. He was saying, you know what? She needs this now more than I do. (laughs) America's becoming a land of Strangers epidemic of loneliness in the midst of crowds. We live in a huge city. Probably no fewer people in the neighborhoods and so on than than I used to know when I grew up in a, a little village of three thousand six hundred people. Many have electric garage door openers so that you don't even have to say hi to your neighbor. You just drive in and the and the garage door comes down. We used to build Front porch with swings so you could say hi and wave hi to people as they came by. And now we have a back deck with a fence, six foot. First Baptist Church has to be a contrast to that. Church up in L.A., the Church of the Open Door, what a cool name. Church of the Open Door. First Baptist Church is the Church of the Open Door because we don't have air conditioning. So we've got the door open. Jesus said, John thirteen thirty five. by this shall, man, shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. You know, a good study for you to have this afternoon or later on, or maybe during this week, is, is a one another study. Because I think if I counted right, I, I probably didn't count right, so I'm not going to give you a number. But I've got listed over 21 one another's in the Word of God. Be devoted to one another in love, Romans 12, 10. Live in harmony with one another, Romans 12, 16. Accept one another, Romans 15, 7. Instruct one another, Romans 15, 14. Greet one another, Romans 16, 16. Agree with one another, 2 Corinthians one ten. Serve one another in love, Galatians 5, 13. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, Ephesians 4, 2. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving, Ephesians four thirty two. Speak to one another, Ephesians 5, 19. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21. Husband and wife, bear with one another and forgive one another. Colossians 3:13, Teach and admonish and build up one another. First Thessalonians 5:11. Be in peace with one another, First Thessalonians 5:13. Try to be kind to one another. First Thessalonians 5:15, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. The instructions are that we're to be concerned, one for another, offering, offering hospitality, having humility toward each other, to love each other, to think. I don't need you or to think that you don't need me in in the sense of being a part of the body of Christ is to be like the illustration last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 of the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you. Every member is needed. How can we possibly say we love the Lord, the head, but we hate the body or the local assembly or have nothing to do with it? This whole admonition was written to the local assembly there gathered in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, to the church of God which is at Corinth. The assembly of God which is at Corinth. They were assembled almost every time the word church is found in the New Testament. Almost every time, like 97%, 98% of the time, it is referring to a local assembly. Most of the New Testament was written to local assemblies. To the church at Corinth, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Rome. And every body part is important. As a, as a matter of fact, a body part apart from the body is kind of gross. I, I'm telling you, if you walk out of here and there's a hand on the sidewalk, that you're not going to say, oh, look, it, there's a hand. You're going to be freaked out. And by the way, a disembodied member of the body dies. It doesn't continue to live. It doesn't continue to function. Remember how Elijah felt when he thought he was all alone, all by himself? First Kings chapter 19, verse 14, he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because of the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They have thrown down thy altars. They have killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Poor me. I'm all by myself. Nobody else is standing for God. I'm the only one. And God's response in verse eighteen was, "Hey, I have seven thousand people still who haven't bowed their knee to Baal." He wasn't alone. Elijah wasn't, and neither are you and I. And we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be in close fellowship with other believers. We have three circles of fellowship on a personal level: we have acquaintances, people you know casually; we have friends, and we have companions. And each circle gets a little tighter. The acquaintances, you might, I don't know how many, there's maybe dozens of acquaintances. And and then real friends, someone said, anyone who has more than 10 real friends in a lifetime is rich indeed. But when you go even deeper and tighter, that inner circle, even Jesus had that. He had, he had the disciples, and then he had, I mean, a hundreds of disciples who followed him. But then he had the 12, and then he had the three who oftentimes, when he was under pressure and attacked and, and would spend time in prayer and, and would go to do special things, Mount of Transfiguration, other things, he had these three that would go with him. Companions, you have, you have probably now more than you can number on one hand of those who are absolutely close. She is the numero uno persona. I don't know if that's a word even in Spanish, but she is my bestest friend ever anywhere of all the people in the whole world. I don't have a whole bunch of them like that. I I have one like that. In a church, we have congregation, class, and cell. Congregation, we're here we are. This is the congregation. As people come and flow, the congregation is always different week to week. We have visitors. You have members. Not all the members are there every week and all that. I think you should be. I wish you would be. But you're not. I have to be. You should be. That kind of thing. Okay, congregation, we're to love one another. It's like a Charger game the stadium. The more you get here, the more exciting it is to me. Except I shouldn't say Charger Stadium because that's a bad analogy right now. We can be challenged, encouraged, inspired, and taught in a large setting. However, not a whole lot of real personal relationship and fellowship goes on while we're meeting here for this one hour. So then you have your class. Fitz and Ryan have a class right over here at the meet at 845. And, and in that, you have dialogue. In that, you have interpersonal relationship. People can ask questions. People can answer questions. People can have input. People can get to know each other. And then and then some of you have Home Bible studies or cell groups, uh, depending on how, what you want to call it, life groups, whatever. And, and there's, where you, there, there's where real fellowship can take place, just as it did in the Bible times in, in homes. And, and, and as you get together, as you get to know each other, as you, as you pastor each other and meet each other's needs, because no one pastor, when you call a pastor here, he's not going to be able to take care of everybody. Even in a congregation this size, he's not going to be able to. It's going to take people here who have a love one for another. There are atmospheres for building relationships. Believe it or not, one of the best atmospheres for, for building relationships happens here every Sunday morning before church even begins and after church ends because you all fellowship with each other and you talk with each other. Sometimes, you know, uh, whoever's wanting to lock up, they start turning off lights. You know, they start yawning. They, they stretch out on the chairs because they're like, oh, I want to go. I, I need to eat. I'm famished. I'm gonna... But you know what? You're fellowshipping. That's good. That's good. I always just tell people, don't turn the lights out at Ocean View. Don't turn the lights out. Don't tell people to leave. Stay as long as it takes. Let people fellowship. Recreation, the concerts in the park. They, are they having them still on Sunday nights? No? Not so much? Uh, not sure? Okay. The, those beach baptisms and events that you have like that, recreation times together, good times. Uh, some of you guys maybe get together for, I don't know, golf. I, I never did play golf. I, I'm a preacher who didn't play golf. Figure that one out. Everywhere I go, people say, uh, Pastor, would you like to go play some golf? No, 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 no. I, I know guys who say, man, I've got to go play golf on Monday to get over the nervousness of preaching on Sunday. If I played golf, I'd have to go preach to get over the nervousness of playing golf because I don't like play golf. Don't like it at all. Love racquetball. Used to play Larry Hamlin. Used to play racquetball with him. I like racquetball because you can take your frustration out on the ball and you can smack people with it. It's fun. And I'll tell you what. Mission projects, trips, camps, spend time with folks, get to know them. Marty and, and his wife went camping with some families not too long ago. And, and, you know, some great fellowships can happen because of that. Ministry opportunities, a leadership team, uh, teaching and helping in a class, men's ministry, women's ministry, um, greeting ministry, and nursery workers, and sound crew, they, they're having a great time up there. Whoopee, they can get to fellowship with each other. Bridge events like Ronald McDonald House. People working together, serving other people. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to really love each other? By ministering to one another, and especially to those who are hurting. I love that one song, Micah, I'm the world's worst on remembering words, but the one of the songs you sang talked about those who need to come, who come as you are type thing. And, and I always say that the church is not a museum for perfect specimens, the church is a hospital for hurting people. If you expect perfection here, you better go somewhere else, and you're not going to find it there either. Mark six thirty four says, Jesus said when he came out, he saw many people. He moved with compassion because there were sheep not having a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. And so what we need to do is to share, shepherd people, care for people, serve people. In Colossians 3:12, since God shows you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself. We talked about the robes again, exchanging the robes. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. With kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. We're to be supportive. Motivate one another to acts of love and good works, Hebrews 10. We're to, we're, 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 each part is to do its own special work as it helps the other parts grow so we can be a body that is healthy and growing and full of love, Ephesians chapter 4. And a benevolence ministry, helping people who are needy, Matthew 25, James 2. One of you say to someone, you know what? If someone says to someone who's hungry, be filled, what good does that do them? If someone says to someone, be warm, well, that's a bad analogy today. Um, if it's cold, if you you all know what cold means? Everybody know what the yeah, definition of cold is? If you've ever been really cold and you see someone who's cold and they don't have adequate clothing and you say to them, be warmed, it doesn't do anything for them. But if you give them your jacket, it can make a difference. If they're hungry, you give them a meal, it can make a difference. Counseling, encouraging. Sometimes just being there, sometimes just being, there are times, I had, I had a, a young Navy pilot in my church 42 years ago. I think I told you this maybe, but it, it made such a profound impact on me because he had a little boy about the same age as my little boy at the time. And this little boy died Suddenly. And he called me, and he's telling me this on the phone. He's in Florida, and I'm here, and I'm the pastor, right? I'm supposed to have the words to say, right? I'm supposed to, you know, you guys know, chaplains, you're supposed to, in whatever situation, you're supposed to know exactly what to say. And I said, well, I said, Larry, you know, God must have had a purpose in that. And his words to me were, I don't want anything to do with a God who had a purpose in that. And he I don't think he meant to, but it rebuked me because there are sometimes you just don't have the words to say. He was calling me not to get an answer, not to, not to hear something that was going to make him all of a sudden, oh, okay, now I understand. He was calling me just to talk to me. Everybody here knows people who need someone just to listen. You don't always have to fix everything. Just to listen, to care. Let me close with this illustration. I'm told that the, you've been to the giant redwoods. Anybody been to the giant redwoods? The rest of you haven't been? Right after the church, you need to go to the redwoods. Holy cow. A national treasure, folks. What's the matter with you? Yeah. So anyway, I'm told the giant redwoods north of us do not have a deep root system. How can it be these huge... Trees, giants don't have a deep root system. They're massive trees, but you know how they stand for so long and grow so large? Their roots intertwine, and they hold each other up. You know what First Baptist Church needs? A fellowship of born-again believers whose roots intertwine and hold each other up. And when one is weak, everybody else comes to their side and holds them up. See, the point is, we all need each other. We all need the Lord. So my question is, are you being kind to one another? Are you being that person they need you to be? Will you be that person? Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed. The most important question I can ask you this morning is if you died, do you know you'd go to heaven? If you died today, do you know you would go to heaven for certain, for sure. Because whether you ever join this church or not, whether you ever come to another service here or not, is not more important than do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord, your Savior, your Master. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. We are going to die someday by beheading, by a heart attack, by cancer, unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes back In our lifetime, we will all die. So what do we need to do? We need to make sure we're trusting Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection on the cross. And if you have not done that, I want to pray for you right now. Father, for anybody and everybody who's here this morning who doesn't know for sure that Jesus Christ is their Savior, what a terrifying thought in terrifying times to not know for certain that we're in the palm of Almighty God. Lord, so I pray for those who maybe are not sure of that today, that today would be the day when they come face-to-face with this question, will they receive Christ as their Lord and as their Savior? You have said today is the day of salvation. May today be the day of their salvation. If it's you I'm talking to, folks, you're not certain if you died you go to heaven, then I want you in your own heart to pray. Say the words to the Lord in your own head, your own heart. Say, Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I'm going to die one day and stand before you. And I ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. I believe He died for me on the cross. I believe He was buried and rose again. And I'm confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart that I might be saved. So save me today in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer, I will not embarrass you. I will not call out your name. I will not point you out. If you just prayed that prayer, would you raise your hand up as a testimony? Raise it up real high. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I thank you so much for these who have raised their hands. I pray, God, that you would give them the assurance that these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that they may know they have eternal life. They don't have to worry about it. They don't have to wonder about it. They can know it. Beyond that, God, I pray you'd help every one of us to be concerned beginning right now with one another. How can we minister to one another? How can we, if we're walking in your life, how can we then show love one for another? God, help us to be obedient to your word, to be changed and transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and ask the leadership team to come to the front? If you who pray and ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior would, would come and tell one of the counselors, I, I, have, I prayed that prayer today. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. We would love that. In the seat back in front of you is that Connect card. If you did receive Christ, just fill that out. Check that box. Say, I pray and ask Christ to be my Savior. We'd love for you to do that. If you need to come and pray for something going on in your life, pray for these Iraqi Christians that are dying. Whatever it is, you want to join the church, whatever it is, leadership over here. Nate will be over here. Doug will be over here. As we sing our invitation, Micah leads us in this song. Come on right now.
3: There's nothing worth more that will ever come close Nothing can compare you eyes.
2: we love you I wish we could love you with a perfect love like you love us I pray that you would help that love to to grow to help us understand it means it makes a difference in our lives and the way we live our lives God I pray for your leadership in this church I pray for your guidance in this church I pray Lord you'd lead them to the pastor that you have in mind for them who will love them as family as family challenge them, who will be true to the word of God who will preach the unsearchable riches of Christ in such a way that you'll use it to transform lives and I pray God for people with heavy burdens on their heart right now pray Lord for unspoken requests things that maybe are so heavy that just weigh us down, that just crush us and we don't see a way out, we don't know how it's going to work out but you do Lord, I pray that people would speak truth and hope into our lives so that we would be encouraged to know that no matter what happens, that all things work together for the good to them. Beloved, it doesn't mean everything is good. A lot of things happen in this life that aren't good, but they work together for the ultimate good. And in that we rest. May we be the church. As we go out from this place, may we be the church that you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go be the church in Coronado.